Welcome to the Emerging Litigation Podcast. I'm Tom Hagee with HB Litigation Conferences. And this is a collaboration with Fastcase and Law Street Media and Docket Alarm and others in that fine group of companies. It's a pleasure to, uh, to work with those folks. Today we're going to talk about civil unrest. Um, everybody is familiar with civil unrest, I'm sure, if anyone's looked at the news ever, even for a minute. We all know that there has been, there have been protesting. There's been protesting, there have been riots. Uh, there have been riots that some would call insurrections. But there have, uh, yeah, things are hot right now in America, and things have been. And uh, in 2020, especially, there was a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know, let's just say looting. Because looting is what it was. There was looting, there was smashing of windows, there were fires being set. And, uh, of course, there were a lot of peaceful protests, and then there's a lot of controversy around, well, let's see, did somebody else come in and start trouble and start riots? But you know what? In the end, it's the, uh, it's the same result. Um, there's damage and destruction and, sadly, injury and, and death. So those are, uh, those are not fun things. And, uh, but as, as often is the case, when there's a lot of damage, there's also uh, claims for insurance. It's my pleasure to have uh, somebody super qualified to talk about these things, Vince Fitkowski with Gefeller Lorry. He's in uh, in New York, as will become obvious as you listen. I've known Vince for a long time. I've started working with Vince. Uh, I knew him originally as an insurance industry uh, attorney, and then later as a expert on data breaches and data breach coverage and things like that. He's got a background in counseling and litigating and arbitrating, uh, all, all varieties of insurance matters, uh, including, as I said, uh, cyber technology, but you know, the CGL policies, professional liability, DNO, etc. He's He's also represents uh, uh, clients in reinsurance disputes as well. So, uh, so it's a pleasure to get uh, get Vince on board to talk about civil unrest, which was a uh, topic he suggested to me. We have kind of a bonus at the end of this because Vince is also very, very into uh, rock music from from the 60s and well, it's not just the 60s, 70s, 80s. He likes all kinds of rock music, but it's all it's all in the rock area and even some that's a little uh, just adjacent, but uh, it's always fun to talk to him about it. He's always sharing his, his latest finds and <clears throat> lists of uh, favorite uh, performances and things like that. So I went ahead and asked him about that. And so keep listening and you can hear, you can hear some of his thoughts on some fun stuff you might want to listen to. I also asked him his thoughts on why one store in Chicago was not looted. So we're ready to roll with that. It's again, my pleasure to interview Vince Vitkowski or Vitkowski with Gefeller Laurie. And don't forget to listen carefully for that clue that Vince is in New York City. Enjoy it. Well, Vince, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for doing this today. Tom, uh, let me begin by thanking you for the invitation to, to do the podcast. It's always a pleasure to work with you, and uh, we've been doing it for a long time. We have, we have, and we don't need to count the years. Um, so I'll just launch into the, into the first question. Um, we're living in turbulent times, as everybody knows, and last year there were a lot of a lot of protests, largely largely peaceful, but there was also a lot of violence that resulted in significant property damage and loss and physical harm to people. 
meanwhile, last month, that's March of 2021, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence released a report saying that domestic violent extremists, quote, who are motivated by a range of ideologies and galvanized by recent political and societal events in the United States, pose an elevated threat to the homeland in 2021, end quote. So my question for you, Vince, is what types of insurance exist for these risks? Uh, I'll need to break that question down a bit. When I use the blanket term civil unrest, I'm bringing in three different types of violent conduct. Uh, first, there are protests that morph into riots or civil commotion. Next, terrorist or terrorist groups and individuals can also you know, bring their own death and destruction. And third, individuals, groups, or movements with a range of motivations can become violent. Sometimes there are participants behind the scenes elevating the level of violence by supplying, say, Molotov cocktails to throw at police cars uh, or other weapons or even organizing flash mob-like riots. Now, the lines of this trichotomy uh, can become blurred. Motives and causation can be difficult to determine uh, and even more difficult uh, to prove. But the, the distinctions are important for insurance purposes. Uh, it can be necessary to do a deep dive into the facts of a you know, particular situation and the applicable state laws to reach any kind of a def definitive determination about insurance coverage. I'm not going to do that deep dive today. I'm going to. I'll just present the big picture. When one of your listeners needs uh, the deap dive, I, I hope they'll think to call me. Yeah, we'll we'll prov provide your uh, contact information too if they want to follow up. Uh, for uh, for protest-based civil unrest, the most likely coverage comes from commercial property and casualty insurance. Riots or civil commotion can be identified as a covered cause of loss or simply not excluded. And you've heard of silent cyber, this is kind of like silent chaos coverage. Uh, note though that some policies, especially in the surplus lines uh, market, affirmatively exclude riots and civil commotions. Uh, but when policies do cover them and define the terms, you start with, you start with the definitions, often the policies don't define the terms, but various state and, uh, and federal courts have. The most common definitions of a, of a riot describe it as a public disturbance involving uh, an act or acts of violence by one or more persons, part of an assemblage of three or more persons, which shall constitute a clear and present danger of or result in damage or injury to the property of any other person or to the person of another individual, or alternatively, uh, a threat or threats of the commission of an act of violence by one or more persons as part of an assemblage of three or more persons. So what about the definition of civil commotion? Uh, they're similar to, uh, to riots, but it's, the term is generally construed to require a, a more serious disturbance or some series of disturbances. Uh, again, this can be by case law or statute, which varies across the state's uh, so it, 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 there is a, a fluidity to it. Uh, other covers uh, might include vandalism, 
as simply the intentional damage or destruction of property. Uh, there might be malicious mischief, which in, in this context uh, are acts motivated by spite or hatred that result in damage or destruction that might not have been intended. Uh, so the coverage extends typically to property that's destroyed, damaged, burned, or looted, uh, as well as graffiti damage and, and debris removal. Uh, there can be lost income and costs incurred to protect against future imminent harm or continued damage. A key issue that may and, and does lead to disputes is the number of occurrences which affects deductibles, limits, and sublimits. A business could have several losses at a single location or losses at multiple locations in the same city or in different cities at the same time or at different times. How many occurrences are there now? Now, in a case ripped from the headlines, Nordstrom's has sued its insurers uh, following the death of the uh, uh, George Floyd and the disturbances that uh, you know, that follow that. Uh, it alleges that it had losses in all 350 stores in the U.S. and Canada, including not only those that were physically damaged, but those that had to be boarded up and couldn't, couldn't operate. It says it suffered at least 25 million in damages. So uh, according to Nordstrom's, all of this is, uh, is a single occurrence. So there's a single $1 million deductible as opposed to multiple deductible or all the stores. Now, policies can sometimes limit the period of time to aggregate losses or limit a specific geographic scope or both. Uh, one common limitation is that different losses can be ag combined into a single occurrence if they took place within a, a 72 hour period. Now, a factor that may be important is whether and how the insurance service offices property claim services characterizes the events. For example, the, the PCS has assigned the serial number CAT 2033 to losses from the disturbances following the death of George Floyd. And they used it to apply to losses over a period of time between May 26 and June 8, 2020. Uh, for the first time in its history, it expanded the designation to include losses in, in multiple cities and multiple states. Uh, again, that can be a useful benchmark for the number of occurrences, but insurers are, are not required to follow that determination simply because a CAT designation has been made. Now, before we leave the subject of, of uh, commercial policies, I should mention that they have war exclusions. And war exclusions typically go beyond war. They exclude things like uh, insurrection, rebellion, revolution. That's important. And, and I'll return to that uh, a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, along these lines, what if the violence is caused by terrorism? For example, what if the uh, Nashville Christmas Day bomber had been a terrorist? Well, terrorism is is, is uh, often it's excluded in commercial policies uh, most of the, almost all the time. Uh, but uh, but note, by the way, it's not excluded in most personal lines 
uh, policies. But if a commercial insured wants it, coverage is available in several ways, including the construct created by the Terrorism Risk Insurance Act and its successors. Uh, they have longer acronyms now, but we, we still, still call it TRIA. On the sources TRIA, there's coverage for an act of terrorism, which is defined as a violent or dangerous act committed as part of an effort to coerce the U.S. civilian population or to influence the policy or affect the conduct of the U.S. Uh, by, by coercion. Uh, TRIA requires that the act of terrorism be certified as such by the by three, uh, three individuals. The Secretary of Treasury, in consultation with the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security and the Attorney General. The attack has to be in the U.S., uh, uh, and uh, or against certain U.S. property abroad, like like uh, our air carriers or vessels, missions, uh, embassies. Uh, it's been been an important recent change in the last round. The, the terrorists can be either foreign or domestic. Uh, used to be just foreign, uh, and there are other limitations uh, that uh, affect whether the U.S. government backstop operates, but they're not relevant to today's conversation. But to me, the key point is that the U.S. government has never certified anything as a terrorist event. Uh, and certainly in the polarized world that we live in, uh, it would be extremely hard to make a designation in the context of domestic terrorism. Because uh, whether whether terrorists were thought to be from the left or the right, it could warp the analysis and, uh, shall we say, trump rational analysis. Uh, so to me, TRIA is, is not uh, the best available coverage for terrorism. Standalone uh, terrorism policies are. Uh, I'll get to those in a moment. Okay. Well, as, as I said in the outset, uh, we cited the uh, Director of National Intelligence report. Um, so politically motivated violence it may become increasingly common. This means there could be a gap of potentially uncovered risks between traditional riots and civil commotion and terrorism as defined by TRIA or otherwise. Violent actors may or may not have specific intent to coerce or influence civilians or the government. Uh, is there coverage for these variations? Yeah, I mean, there definitely is a gray area full of different actors. Some are motivated by a sense of outrage from a specific governmental action, a police shooting, for example. Some have political objectives on either side of the spectrum that they want to advance. Some want to promote their general sense of social justice. Uh, some may want to bring down the government. Uh, some may simply like to break things. I mean, several types of coverage uh, might apply to uh, some of these categories. The, the first and most important is standalone terrorism insurance. These are specialty uh, policies uh, developed entirely in the private market. They can be individually crafted, manuscripted. Uh, to address and insure crucial exposures within a broader range of risks. Uh, terms, conditions, limits, uh, deductibles are all individually negotiated. Uh, 
you can have some uh, deductibles for your property in uh, in New York City and uh, some others for your uh, properties out in the country where terrorists rarely, rarely go. Um, they're not subject to the certification requirement of TRIA, so terrorism can be defined broadly and, for example, and this is a common one, is as any act or acts committed for political, religious, or ideological purposes. Other types of perils can also be covered. For example, vandalism uh, is one. Another is malicious damage, which in these policies is defined a little differently. It's defined as physical loss or damage resulting from a malicious political act committed during a, a public disturbance. Uh, or it can be sabotage, which is a, a subversive act causing willful physical damage committed for political, religious, or ideological purposes. Uh, it can also be covered for strikes, politically motivated riots, civil and civil commotion, and uh, unlike commercial policies, uh, commercial uh, property policies, uh, it can be covered for uh, uh, insurrection, rebellion, and revolution. Now, insurrection, rebellion, and revolution are supposed to reflect a kind of continuum of escalating violence by armed citizens resisting, uh, uh, you know, resisting a sovereign government. Uh, and uh, I should say that a lot of the case law, we, there's, there's not a lot of case law in general. And remember that case law from one state doesn't control in, in another state. But what we have is old. I mean, it's from a different world when uh, uh, when there were, you know, <laughs> uh, armed uh, armed fighters in uh, uh, various various cities around the world trying to trying to bring down the government. Now we have a different concept. You know, now now when you, you say insurrection, what what comes to mind? Uh, you know, is the events of January sixth in Washington. Uh, and so those terms can evolve and, and, and they are evolving. Uh, so arguably some of the attacks in the US by militant individuals or groups uh, would fall, might fall into some of these categories. Now, even then, even though some of the cases uh, say that an insurrection or rebellion must be part of a movement uh, to specifically overthrow or, or to, to be specifically intended to overthrow the constituted government. Uh, well, you know, that's what a lot of them think they're doing. I mean, uh, or trying to do that. I mean, this leaves, an this leaves open questions, such as whether the intent has, has to be realistic. What if there's no chance a group or movement will overthrow the government? Yet that's their intent. What if, uh, on the other hand, if you define the government as uh, 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 the, the sovereign state of Michigan, uh, it's not unthinkable that at least for some period of time. Uh, Hold on. I'm sorry. It sounds, it sounds like there's civil unrest uh, going on near you, but um, New York for you. <laughs> all hell is breaking loose. Okay, that's probably a good place to take a break since 
Vince seems to be surrounded by the police <laughs> or fire trucks or, or some sort of military action going on. It's probably nothing. He's in New York, so there's always something happening. Um, but the funny thing is, is I had to tell Vince that there were sirens. <laughs> he didn't even he didn't even notice. So there's a New Yorker. Uh, the Emerging Litigation Podcast. It's sponsored in part by Law Street Media, which is a free legal news service from Fastcase. It provides uh, daily updates on technology, health, and agriculture news. Uh, it also provides Law Street Insights articles, which use groundbreaking legal and analytics to provide new data-driven perspectives on the legal system. With Law Street Media, you can get more out of your legal news with detailed analysis provided by leading research tools like Docket Alarm. You can also get free filings, easy access to case law and statutes mentioned in the articles, and much more. I am a Docket Alarm user. I use it all the time. You can subscribe uh, to Law Street uh, Media and get free daily digests that cover most important topics in tech health, and agriculture by visiting lawstreetmedia.com. Those categories are kind of general, but under the under tech, they have a section for tech giants, so they're covering the big tech companies, emerging tech, tech policy, cybersecurity, and intellectual property. So you've got some pretty good uh, niche areas there, too. Uh, under health, uh, obviously healthcare and health insurance, also pharmaceuticals, health policy, and medical tech. Agriculture, which also sounds pretty broad, and it is. They cover agriculture giants, so they're covering the big guys. Agriculture policy, but they're also covering cannabis, as well as emerging agricultural issues and environment and land use. Check out Law Street Media at lawstreetmedia.com. Now, I think the fire trucks have probably left Vince alone. We'll get back to him. Uh, there's some old cases that have held that an insurrection or rebellion must be part of a movement specifically intended to overthrow the constituted government. Uh, and at least some open questions, such as whether the intent has to be realistic. What if there's no chance uh, a group or movement will overthrow the government? Yet that surely is its intent. Or if you define the, uh, the, the, the government as the state of Michigan, well, maybe it's not so far-fetched that a, a group of militants could kidnap the uh, governor, mm -hmm. uh, shut down the uh, assembly, and uh, for a while, at least, overthrow the government. Um, what if the motivating ideology is, is too fanciful to be credible? Uh, uh, no disrespect, but such as uh, uh, to those, anyone who follows QAnon, <laughs> I, I think it would be interesting if that were the motivating ideology. Yeah. So how would you apply the insurrection and rebellion uh, provisions? Okay. No disrespect. Um, well. <laughs> We'll leave, we'll leave that to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so, so the supply chains, uh, obviously that has a, uh, you know, big impact on business and revenues and losses and things. And so 
their supply chains uh, for companies are increasingly multinational um, and given the rise to international risks, especially in potential flashpoint countries, <clears throat> um, their business is impacted by riots, for example, in France. Uh, how is that insured? Uh, the uh, the gilet jaune. <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> Multinational companies often get another kind of insurance known as political violence insurance or political risk insurance. It's been around for a long time, but grew after the Arab Spring in 2010 and 11. And the idea is to provide coverage without gaps along the entire range of escalation, uh, from street riots to rebellion to, to civil war. So it can cover many of the same risk as standalone terrorism insurance plus others. For example, not only sabotage, insurrection, rebellion, uh, but coup d'etat, which is a, a sudden violent and illegal overthrow by members of a legally armed force, you know, uh, <laughs> um, Myanmar, uh, as well as a civil war, uh, war and counterinsurgency. You can get some better coverages in this class of insurance. They can, uh, they can be extensions of coverage for denial of access when businesses are shuttered because the authorities have closed down the area, even without physical damage to the property, which is typically required under, under commercial uh, policies. And it's, uh, that's a battle that's being fought in, in courts all over the country in connection with the COVID-19 uh, uh, litigation. Uh, there's another extension for loss of attraction. Uh, closed businesses can't attract business, and uh, this doesn't. This may or may not have been triggered by a specific act of violence nearby. It could just be from general unrest in the countries. So there's a there's a, a, a broader recognition of the types of, of risk and, and all having a political um, component to it. Mm -hmm. uh, people used to say that something like this was entirely useless in the U.S. I mean, that was meant for the third uh, third world, uh, if that's uh, an acceptable phrase, uh, banana republic, if that's an acceptable mm -hmm. phrase, <laughs> countries, but not in the U.S. You don't have the government doing things that, you know, lead to this. And you can argue about uh, cause and effect, and uh, uh, but one now looks at it at the possibility of political violence being a term that has uh, some application mm -hmm. uh, in the states. Well, sometimes I've heard uh, of strike riot and civil commotion insurance. How, how does that fit in? That started as a, a niche product, but it's spreading. It was a response to the war exclusion or, or a warranty exclusion in marine policies. Uh, which excluded political violence risks. So an endorsement was developed to provide coverage for many of those risks in all risk cargo policies. Uh, in its original form, it covered physical loss or damage uh, directly caused by strikers, locked out workers, labor disruption, uh, various types of riots, vandalism, sabotage. Um, it can be extended to include terrorism and other political and ideologically motivated acts. And so recently that term has been picked up uh, and migrated by endorsements 
to to other lines of business. Sort of if uh, company doesn't doesn't take uh, full standalone terrorism insurance, um, uh, other lines can be endorsed to pick up some of those uh, perils. So Vince, thank you for doing this. Do, do you have any any closing thoughts for our listeners? Like I know earlier, you said there was a, a expression you heard from your first trip to London. Every major uh, loss leads to a new exclusion, and every new exclusion leads to a new product. <laughs> <laughs> so that's sort of what you know what happened uh, in this market. Uh, the other thing I say is ultimately and unfortunately, most of the serious problems in the world become insurance problems at some point. And civil unrest is no different. Uh, with the right bundle of coverages, the problem can be mitigated. But without it, you know, a business and insurer and its insurer can be thrashing around in a, in a sea of gray as they try to figure out uh, how motive and intent and conduct fit into the facts and circumstances and you know what really happened here and what cover should respond. So I'm going to bring the uh, the formal part of our interview to a close. So once again, you've been listening to Vince Fitkowski with uh, Feller Laurie. And uh, did I mention he was in, in New York? Thank him and thank him. I'll thank him. Thank you and thank him. <laughs> thank you for listening and thanks to Vince for doing this. And if you look in the show notes, you can see how to reach out to Vince if you have any questions. And... Uh, I might even put a couple links to some of his recommendations in there for music. But once again, this is uh, the Emerging Litigation Podcast. It's a collaboration between HB Litigation Conferences, my company, and Fastcase and Law Street Media and Docket Alarm. And if you uh, are interested in uh, participating or if you want to suggest anything for the podcast or have any comments or anything like that, or if you have sound effects you want me to share, you can write to me at editor at litigationconferences.com editor at litigationconferences.com so that brings us to the end of this part but you know keep listening and I talked to uh, Vince Moore a little bit about uh, why one store in Chicago during the unfortunate riots there one store was one store was left untouched <laughs> unscathed and uh, I don't know why it just was funny to me I don't find looting funny don't get me wrong and rioting and insurrection none of that is funny but uh you know, this is kind of... And then uh, then I asked him a little bit about the rock and roll music. As David Letterman would say, the rock and roll music. And uh, he had some ideas for you. So, give it a listen. Thanks again. Now, at this point, Vince, I just want to ask a couple random questions that we can either use in the podcast or not. Okay. Uh, but no, first of all, one's not a question so much. Is... is uh, Sorry... Well, uh, uh, someone I was talking to in Chicago, because you mentioned Nordstrom's you very hot uh, sirens. What's that? You, you hear the sirens? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I've been hearing them the whole along. Um, I just figure <laughs> <laughs> I think it gives the podcast a certain authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not like hiding away in some, you know, recording bunker. You're in New York City. Um and I'm not. I was talking to somebody in Chicago, and she she was working in her office. She's downtown, and she she saw on TV all of the, these riots and bedlam and 
chaos going on. And she went out of her office and she expected to see all of it. And she went down one street, but and she could see some of the results of some of the some of the rioting. And a lot of the store windows were boarded up, glass everywhere. <laughs> and uh, and you know, she said that was disturbing, except there was one store that was left untouched. And it was the Crocs store. Um, so, <laughs> so I thought I could only imagine the people at Crocs being, <laughs> we're not loot worthy with the, people wouldn't even break into Crocs. Um, so I don't know if you're a fan of Crocs. I hear they're very comfortable. Uh, yeah. Somehow I don't imagine the Crocs folks would be standing there with shotguns, but maybe they <laughs> Maybe they have their own insurance. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's true. I think I think they have a branding problem. I know you're also a huge fan of music, uh, rock music. So, do you have any recommendations for anyone um, on listening who might also love rock music? Just now, in the last couple of days, Mick Jagger uh, and and Dave Grohl have put out something together called "Easy Sleazy," which is a rock song about the end of. Uh, how the end of the pandemic might go, uh, what people have gone through so far, uh, and I think I just saw uh, I just saw reference to it for the first time in in uh, in, in BBC uh, news, and uh, actually just sent it out. Tom. So I think if you check the Facebook page, you'll oh, see well. it. I'll check it out. And for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Dave Grohl was. Uh, originally the drummer for Nirvana and then later became came out from the drums and he became the front man for the Foo Fighters. He also seems like one of the nicest people in the world when you see him on interviews and he was on a podcast recently and um, I think he was telling a story about how he, uh, he he's huge on coffee. He drinks so much coffee and one day he drank so much coffee he ended up going to the emergency room because he thought he was having a heart attack. So he had to cut back on that. But anyway, he's also a great drummer, which um, which I appreciate. So I will check. I'll check that out. Everybody knows who Mick Jagger is, of course. Um, and uh, oh, and something for you. Just uh, also because I, I think you probably like Brian Ferry. Um, yeah, you're dressed like him right now. In fact, <laughs> no, I don't know. But he um, he'd have he, a tie on. <laughs> That's true. Would, Good catch. He would have the same, you know, corduroy blazer at, at a minimum. Yeah, at a minimum. Yeah, you're right. I forgot who I was talking to. You actually know those details. But anyway, have you seen the uh, the TV show? Um, not the TV show. The TV series um, uh, Babylon Berlin. Yeah, I have uh, seen bits of it. I haven't gotten to the part yet where he. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's performing. Participant performs. Yeah. But the, the, you know, the whole thing is, you know, I mean, the history of, of his performing there is includes uh, the following. I don't know precisely, but back when the remake of uh, The Great Gatsby was done, hmm. who was it who produced it? Did he? Or, or anyway, some rapper uh, asked him to recreate the sounds of the uh, era. Huh. In, in, in songs, and so there he did a couple of things. He did a whole uh, album, mostly of uh, instrumental versions of his songs reimagined. He did uh, Amy Winehouse's "Back to Black," oh. 
in the style of the uh, 30s. Wow. That's worth checking out. I will check, I will check it out. Glad uh, I brought it up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that, that it, it turned into a project for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of good videos I'll send you. Oh, great. <laughs> so you should do your uh, podcast just on, on that stuff. Uh, uh, anyway, I would listen. That's that's great. I will go check that out. But uh, I love uh, Brian Ferry. And I love Babylon Berlin. I'm I'm also reading the books. They're obviously very different, but still they're uh, they're really good too. All right, Vince, I will let you go now. Enough with that. And uh, um, good luck with everything. I'll, um, good luck. I hope your place isn't on fire or whatever the hell's going on. But uh, I'll I'll end it there. <laughs>